You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurchtx.org. Well, happy Easter. Saw some of you like put on your Sunday best. You scraped your faces, scraped your legs. All that kind of stuff to, to get here. So we're proud of that. Excited for that. And um, hey, listen, we started a series called Detox. And last week we talked about detoxing from doubt in life. And today I want us to think about detoxing from religion. And we are a spiritual group of people, aren't we? We're, we are, as a nation, you can look at all the polls and all the research and all the different stuff. We are more spiritual today than we've ever been before. And, and we, in particular, live in the South, and the South is affectionately or non-affectionately considered the Bible Belt, because we have figured out religion for a long time. And so, this morning, what I want us to think about is, are we religious or are we followers of Jesus? Because there's a, there's a distinct difference even though it, it is confusing, but I want us to kind of hopefully solve, solve through that, sift through that a little bit today of what does it look like to either not just know about Jesus, but to know him. And uh, we're a spiritual group, but I want us to move past just some of the spiritual things and move into actually knowing Jesus. And so we're going to detox a little bit from that. And you know what detox is, is you... Um, take different things and all that, or you refuse to take some different things and your body begins to change. And what happens is if you've detoxed for long enough, people don't want to be around you because you're stinky and uh, your breath changes, all this different kind of stuff, because what's happening is all of the impurities begin to come out. And so that's what we've been talking about. That's what we're thinking about today is allowing those things that maybe we've taken in that aren't life giving to us to let some of those things go. And this morning, I want us to think about religion in that way. And so one of the ways that we are religious is the first way is that we have God in a box. It's our feeble attempt to control God. And, and so maybe you've, you've heard a little bit about God, you know a little bit about God. And so you've, you've said yes to Jesus and you kind of put him in a box. And whenever it's convenient for us to have some little things or some struggles in life come, we pull God on the box down and we kind of pilfer through and go, oh yes, this. And so you may see it on your Instagram, on your Facebook, this little verse that kind of helps you get over a hump. And what that is, is we're trying to control Control God, but whenever life becomes difficult, then we kind of dive in and say, God, I need you. And the struggle with that is, is that the reason we put God in a box is because we like to have control over our lives. And so whenever God's not in the box and he's doing what he does, then we don't have control. And as Americans in the 2021st century, we really like to have control. And we've worked hard at building up the specific image and the, all the things about ourselves that we want to portray to people. And so we kind of control God in that way and put him in a box. And you can see that in Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. I'm going to speed through them real quick. There was this part early on where everyone spoke the same language. That would be really cool, right? We wouldn't need German class, Spanish class, and all that. But everyone gathered together. And what happened was they gathered together, and whenever they gathered together, they wanted to make themselves famous. And this is what we see sometimes in our current culture is someone that is famous or maybe has a platform, and they'll put pull God off the box. They've made a deal with God. God, if you will honor me in this way, then I will honor you. And so that's the God in the box type of mentality. And so in Genesis chapter 11, verse 4, you see it. Then they said, come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches high. Why? So that this will make us famous. When our agenda as followers of Jesus is not to make us famous, but to make him famous. 
But in our American culture, in our media-saturated culture, we have a tendency to put God in a box, pull him off, and say, God, will you meet my needs? And when you meet my needs, then I will therefore give you fame and glory and honor. And we flip the script. And so God is in a box. Another way that we kind of do this religious thing is what I call the religious right. And so you're concerned with um, making sure that your external behaviors are right. So we need to do more good than more bad. It's kind of this scale thing. And so that we have this idea that if we do enough good things versus bad things, that surely God will receive me based upon my good things. And so we're the ones, again, determining what's good and what's bad. And we think that if a reasonable God would take more of my good than my bad, surely he'll punch my ticket into heaven and I'll get to spend. And that's part of it is that we want a ticket to heaven and we don't understand that saying yes to Jesus is more than a ticket to heaven but it's an opportunity to sit at the feet of Rabbi Jesus and learn to live and love and act like he does and so the religious right is we're trying to do some different things and so we go to church we are nice to people we um, don't drink you know whatever little denominational thing that you've grown up in like I've had people say hey I can't be Baptist because they can't drink right and they can't dance and I like to drink and I like to dance and I've seen some of you, you, you can swim really good in those margaritas. And uh, actually, I had somebody this week that texted me and said, hey, Chris, I'm swimming and not in my swimming pool. And I knew immediately what they were talking about. Um, so anyway, they, so we do different things. We try to get it this way. And we, again, we're saying, hey, this is a reasonable God to be able to do that. And so... In, Psalm 51, we see David struggling with this. David grew up with, if I do enough good things and bad things, and we see that David actually committed adultery and murdered someone and all this different stuff. But Scripture tells us, even in spite of that, he was a man who was after God's own heart. And I think that's one of the things that we struggle with, that we look at David and we look at all the bad things that he did, but God still said he was a man after my own heart. How is that possible? Well, here's what David said in Psalm 51 is he's processing this and struggling with detoxing from religion and pursuing God. God says, you do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. In other words, doing the right things. You don't want to receive a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart. Now, repent means that you're walking in one direction. So in your direction that you want to go. And then all of a sudden you say, hey, God, I'm moving in my direction and you're broken over that because of what's happened, what's brought to your life. And you turn and you walk in the direction of God. So that's what David is talking about. And so here David is saying to us that religious right, we try to do so many things and get the balance right. So God will we will feel like we can earn God's favor. And that is completely opposite of what the gospel of grace is about. Another way that we're religious is that we're legally lifeless, that we perform religious activities upon the fear, belief, and we've set up a system of trying to, again, do the right things in the right way. And it's attractive, again, because we kind of control what's good and what's bad. And so we kind of live to that direction. And even this past week, I had a friend of mine call me on Good Friday. And on Good Friday, during the Lent season, there are several of those that don't eat meats, right? Y'all know that? And so a friend of mine called me and said, man, Pastor Chris, um, I have a friend that's Catholic and we're trying to go out to eat and there's no place that there's fish around us. Can my friend have alligator? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's cool. It comes from the sea. And I was like, and I, was like, and I got it on Jesus's authority. You're going to be okay too. That's not the unpardonable sin if you have a burger. Anyway, but they're like, well, you know, anyway, so I was trying to help them out. Anyway, so it's an attractive system to set up 
all the different rules to be able to do that. And so we were religious. And Jesus says to the religious people of the day, see, Jesus, whenever he came, the number one group that he talked to weren't the non, what we would say, the non-Christians. The number one group that he talked to were the people that were heavily religious. And there were two groups of heavily religious people. There were the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, I had the fortune of learning a really cool song. I'll sing it to you because I know you want to hear my voice. And it'll help you remember this. I don't want to be a Pharisee because they're not fair, you see. You got it? Okay. I don't want to be a Sadducee because they're very good. So you got it. And so Jesus is talking to those people and saying, listen, if you're looking for fairness, life will never be fair. And all of us past the age of five understand that that life is not fair. So Jesus is teaching that. He's saying, listen, there's going to be moments in life that aren't fair. You're going to be sad. What changes our hearts and our minds is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so he even tells them, he says, you are blind. You have a tendency to wash the outside of the cup and not worry about the inside of the cup. Again, talking to the religious people, he would say, hey, y'all clean up good for church and you put on your smell good sauce. For Sundays, but your Monday through Saturday life does not match up. He calls them hypocrites. And what is a hypocrite? A hypocrite is someone who wears a mask and through different seasons of the week and in different crowds of people that they hang out with, they put on the specific mask to be with those people. Listen, as a teenager, it was this is how I lived. I lived with a mask for my church friends and I lived with a mask for my non-church friends and these friends and all that. And sometimes it was difficult to keep up with who I was with and how I was interacting. And we do that as well. And Jesus says to us, when you come to the cross and say yes to me, you throw down your masks and you are who you are. And that the beauty of that is that Jesus knows us. Even with the mask, he throws them down. He sees all that and he says, I love you without the masks. And that's the fear that most of us live with. The reason that we do religious stuff is because we feel and we sense that we haven't earned that we're not lovely enough to be loved by the God of the universe. And so that even if we've said yes to Jesus, we still continue to put on religious masks to say, God, if I do this, if I act this way, if I don't do these things, then you will you still receive me. And what Jesus tells us is, quit playing around with masks, being play actors, being hypocrites, and totally come to me. Because what we're longing for is to not be a whitewashed tomb, to be dead on the inside, but to have life on the inside. And that many of us, even on a day like today, on a Sunday, go to church day after week after week after week. And we're checking off the boxes and we're doing the things that are religiously right. But we're not have life on the inside. And that's because we've cleaned the outside of the cup and not let Jesus do what he does of cleaning the inside of the cup. That's the most important part. What do you drink out of? The inside. And Jesus says, let me do the hard work of cleaning up on the inside. One of the other things that we do is just 
goes with this is keeping up with the appearances. We try to keep up with people. And again, we've kind of, we've worked on the image that we want for ourselves and we've worked really hard at it. And we want this specific image that we want people to see. And so we work hard at keeping that. And Ecclesiastes chapter five tells us, kind of talks through that, that we do these different things and we talk about religious things. We say what people want us to hear. And it's, it's this idea of what I've called is that we've learned enough church. That we've been inoculated to the faith, we've been inoculated to the church, but we don't, we know about God, but we don't know Him. And that's what Ecclesiastes chapter 5 tells us, is that many of us, we know enough about Jesus and enough about church that we've kind of get just a little bit of it, but we haven't gotten the full meal deal of what it means to be a follower of Jesus and how it fills us and gives life to us. So we offer things with our word. And so this morning, I want to challenge us. To detox from all the religious things that you know and to just give you Jesus. In, in John chapter 3 verse 16, a verse many of you know very well, or maybe you've even seen a game, someone puts it up on a little poster board and it says John three sixteen, And it, it's a simple verse, but a powerful truth. I don't know if you remember this, if this happened in your life, but about the time that I was in third or fourth grade, I began to see that girls were cute. Okay, or on the other end, boys, if you're a girl, boys were cute. And you saw this and you're like, hey, that's kind of a cute girl. And so one day I was, at the, I was outside at recess and I was like, hey, so-and-so looks cute. And they're like, well, hey, she's not going around with anybody. That's what we called it back then, going around. I don't know where we're going around. We're going around the merry-go-round. I don't know what we're doing. But that's what we called it back in the day. And I was like, man, I'm going to ask this girl out. Third or fourth grade, okay? And so we didn't have little phones so I could text or I would have. I was an introvert. And so, um, so what I did was I wrote a note on a piece of paper. I don't know if you've ever did this. And so I wrote this little note on a piece of paper, and next to it it said, check, if, hey, I like you, do you like me? It's real brilliant poetry. And I had this little box, yes, check that if you like me, no, check that. Or next to me, like I was really afraid they would say no, and I didn't want to get rejected, so I said, put maybe. <laughs> so I had a maybe. Right there, and I was like, you know, if you're introvert, you don't want to get rejected the first time you ask somebody out, right? And so then, being an introvert, I folded it up, did a little thing you did. I gave it to a friend to give to a friend to give to another friend to give to another friend so they could give it to her at lunch. So that way, there wasn't like this clear trail to me. So that did say no, I could pretend like, hmm, I don't know whose this was, but somebody else's, you know. And that story of checking yes or no is this passage. In John chapter 3, verse 16, I was in pursuit of someone. Jesus, God the Father, is in pursuit of us. And so John 3, 16 is a love letter and a love note to us saying, Do you love me? I like you. Do you love me? Check yes. Check no. Check maybe. And so in this part, there's times in life, and seasons of life, where we check maybe and we're trying to figure it out. Sometimes we check no. But the moment that you say yes... You enter into a forever relationship with him. Now, third and fourth graders, we didn't quite understand that. Forever meant like to recess later on in the afternoon, right? But what Jesus it meant, and it means forever. Now, see, this is the struggle for us is that we, our natural bent is to be religious. To check off boxes because we like to know and everything to be controllable and definable for us. And we have learned, we have been trained since early on that relationships are extremely difficult. That young lady that I liked in third or fourth grade doesn't like me anymore. And we're not still together. So the length of that relationship and there have been other relationships and we have been hurt 
We have been destroyed by people that said they love us and care for us and even say, take off your mask. I want to be vulnerable with you. They have hurt us. And so throughout life, we have been trained to not be vulnerable in relationships. And it's even more difficult to have a relationships with someone that you cannot physically see. And here Jesus says, I'm in pursuit of you. Check yes, check no, check maybe. This is what trips us up, is that it's extremely simple to receive the greatest gift that God has ever offered. And it's so simple that the religious us say, surely there has to be more than this. But in Romans chapter 10, Paul follows it up and he says that that love letter that John wrote to you in John 3.16, it's God's unmerited favor to you. It's God's riches at Christ's expense. And the, the way that you receive that in John chapter 10, verse 8, it's really simple. Openly declare, like open your mouth and declare that Jesus is Lord, that you say yes. And believe in your heart that what happened on the third day on the cross is sufficient to cover your messes. For all eternity. And you will be saved. It's this beautiful image of us rowing a boat. And all of a sudden the boat begins to sink. And all of our wisdom. All of our intelligence. All of our wealth. All of our social status. All the things that we've worked to give ourselves value and to make our boat look pretty doesn't help. We can't bail fast enough. And the only way that we can get to safety is we raise our hand and say, yes, I need Jesus. That's it. So this morning, that's my question. Do you need Jesus? Or have you been running around doing religious things? As we've talked about over over the last few weeks, that one of the things we struggle with is that maybe we've said yes to Jesus, is that we go about life, and as we're walking around life, and Jesus' day, when you would walk around, you'd walk around barefoot or in sandals, and so as you go about the day, the stuff of the day gets on your feet. The dust, the mud, the poo from life gets on your feet, and the only way that you could sit down to have dinner at the end of the day was to have your feet washed and to be cleaned, and that Jesus says to us, I want to clean your feet daily, I want to wash your feet, and so he understands that the life is going to happen. He still loves us. Take the mask off and walk and do life. But no, at the end of the day, I'm going to ask you to come sit down in front of me and allow me to wash your feet because I want to sit and sup with you. But your stinky feet aren't going to be at my table. And I think this is where many of us in our religious world, if we've said yes to Jesus, we're embarrassed to bring our stinky feet to Jesus. Jesus is not embarrassed by them. Maybe we're embarrassed because he can tell where we've been and what we've been doing. But he's not surprised. And he knew, even on the cross, he knew our paths and where we would go. And he still says, come, bring your feet. Draw close to me so I can wash your feet and cleanse you so we can dine together. This morning, that's our prayer for you. One that you've said yes. You've checked the love letter and said yes. 
And for those of you that have checked yes, and maybe you've somewhere along the way, you feel like, man, my feet are too stinky. Today, maybe's the day. You say, you know what? I'm going to quit listening to the lies that my feet are too stinky. I'm going to come to the table and let Jesus clean them. And I'm not going to go another day without him cleaning my feet. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is so simple. But Father, we realize that it's so simple as checking a box and saying yes that it trips us up. So Father, I pray this morning that anyone that has not said yes, that today's that day. Just openly declare in your, with your mouth and with your heart, I need Jesus. And I want to live the rest of my life for you. And those of you that have said yes to Jesus, but your feet have just caked with mess. And you're embarrassed. You've done everything you can to possibly cover it up. Father, today may we come and just put our feet before you and let the wash basin of Jesus just wash our feet. Father, may we receive that healing today. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Cross Point Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.